So how many, by a show of hands, would say, I like bread? Anybody? Everybody, right? Because everybody likes bread. When I was a kid, I would go with my grandmother to the Italian market, and we would buy this fresh Italian bread, crispy and crusty on the outside, soft and warm on the inside, so good. Can you smell it? Mmm, bread. Jesus, in his teaching, often used the simple, everyday things of life to convey a message. In the text we're going to examine today from John chapter 6, that everyday thing is bread. Now, we are entering this weekend into a season on the church calendar known as Lent. Lent is the 40 days prior to Easter in which we prepare our hearts and our minds for the death and resurrection of Christ. And over these 40 days, uh, we are going to continue hearing Jesus in his own words. But more specifically, we're going to hear what Jesus says about himself in his own words. In the Gospel of John, there are seven statements that Jesus makes about himself that all begin with the phrase, I am. That phrase, I am, that Jesus uses is him reaching back into the Old Testament to the book of Exodus in which Moses finds himself uh, in the desert, in the wilderness, and comes across this bush that is burning, but never, never burns up. And God speaks to Moses from the bush and gives him a name. Now, up until this point, the Israelites referred to God as Elohim, which was a title more than it was a personal name. But as Moses stands before this burning bush, God says to him, I am who I am, thus giving Moses a name, a personal name, a name that Jesus takes on himself. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus makes this statement. I am the bread of life. Bread. It is the oldest food known to human beings that did not require foraging or hunting. Bread is a staple in almost every diet of every culture. It has been a part of human history for centuries. It is an integral role, plays an integral role in everyday living. Societies and cultures and civilizations were developed around the cultivation of wheat, thus leading to bread. Wheat was first domesticated in the Middle East from where we get the Bible. In the year 168 BC, we find the very first baker's guild formed. And the ancient Roman poet Juvenal writes that give the people bread and games and they will never revolt. Feed their stomach with food and fill their hearts with entertainment and they'll always be satisfied. The ancient Jewish writing called the Talmud, which is an interpretation and commentary on Jew- Jewish law, says this of bread. Bread can protect you from demons, from cold, and from heat. Bread can cause learning to remain with you. Bread can cause you to love. 
all of those phrases pointing to the intention that if a person starts their day with a nourished stomach, we'll be able to think more clearly, do work more efficiently, and put us into a cheerful frame of mind. Because I think we can all agree that when we're hungry, when we're really hungry, nothing good ever happens. But what about your soul? Though we nourish our body, but what about the nourishment of our soul? That that physical feeding that we all we all take in every day is not a problem, right? We are all well fed. Matter of fact, just this week on Thursday, I was at my annual physical, and my doctor said you're in, you're in, you're in pretty good health, but you could afford to lose about fifteen pounds. So I'm very well fed. And I bet you are too. Though we're very well fed in our culture, is it possible that at the same time we're also spiritually malnourished? And so Jesus says, just like physical bread that satisfies human hunger, he himself will satisfy the hunger of the soul. And oh, we all live with the deepest of hungers, don't we? The deepest of desires, looking to find satisfaction. But where do we find it? Where do we find our satisfaction in the living? And could it be that we're feasting on the unholy bread of the world than the bread that leads to eternal life. And we look, we look for satisfaction in all kinds of places, don't we? Some of us try to find satisfaction, something that will fill that, that emptiness through things like online pornography or, for that matter, simply living in the digital world. But the more we look for something to fill that deepest hunger in those places that that never truly satisfy. We find ourselves hungry not for food, but for something that actually matters. When I was growing up, uh, one of the more famous of television programs was uh, a show you've probably heard of called Friends. Friends was so popular that In the last years of its broadcast, the cast members of Friends were paid $1 million per episode. Not per year, per episode. One of the characters in that TV show was a guy named Matthew Perry. He played Chandler. Imagine this guy seems to have has all together, but he writes in his memoir, a book entitled Friends, Lovers, and the Big Terrible Thing. On the very first pages, he writes, Hi, my name is Matthew. Although you may know me by another name, my friends call me Maddie, and I should be dead. If you like, you can consider what you've, you're about to read, a message from the beyond, my beyond. It's day seven of the pain. And by pain, I don't mean a stubbed toe or the whole ten yards. I capitalize the word pain because this was the worst pain I've ever experienced. It was the platonic ideal of pain, the exemplar. I've heard people claim that the worst pain is childbirth. Well, this was the worst pain imaginable, but without the joy of a newborn in my arms at the end. 
Something was wrong, very wrong. This was not a dull, throbbing pain like the pancreatitis I'd had when I was 30. This was a different kind of pain. Like my body was going to burst. Like my insides were trying to force their way out. This was a no messing around kind of pain. On October 28th, 2003, Matthew Perry succumbed to his own pain. Oh, we all have this deep hunger that we're trying to satisfy. It's a hunger that's existed since the beginning of human history. So today we're going to turn our attention to John chapter 6, a rather long passage of scripture. We begin in John chapter 6, verse 1. Jesus has just concluded a day of teaching. There are thousands of people gathered around them, and the disciples say to Jesus, why don't you send these people off to the nearby villages so they can go and buy some food? Because again, nothing good happens when you're hungry. And Jesus says to them, well, why don't you give them something to eat? And the disciples were thinking, well... Jesus, there's there's 5,000 men here, plus women and children. That could be upwards of 20,000 people. What do you mean, Jesus? We should feed them. It would take over a year's wage just to feed all these people. And so Jesus says, well, what, what do you have with you right now? And there's a little boy there who basically has a Lunchable. He's got some fish and some bread, like seven loaves of bread, five loaves of bread, a few fish, and this is what we've got. And Jesus says, tell the people to sit down. So everyone sits down, he takes the bread and the fish, he lifts his eyes to heaven, and they start passing out the fish. And it never runs out. 20,000 people and the bread that's broken just keeps producing. The meat keeps coming off of the fish. And oh, we get so familiar with the story that we lose the essence of what's happening. Can you imagine if you were there? Fish that don't stop producing meat and bread, though it's broken thousands of times, there's still more. I mean, we would we would be posting about that everywhere. We'd be taking pictures, hashtag miracles, right? I mean, it would be unbelievable. Then, <clears throat> as the day ends... Jesus goes off to a quiet place to pray. He sends his disciples across the Sea of Galilee in a boat. By by the, the time the disciples are halfway across the lake, it is the middle of the night, and Jesus comes to them walking on the water, and they're terrified, as you would be if you saw someone walking on the water towards you. And Jesus says, take care, it's I, don't be afraid. And Jesus gets into the boat. They go to the other side, and all the people that Jesus just fed hear about this. So John chapter 6, all the crowds go to the other side of the lake, verse 25. And when they found him, Jesus, on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? And Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves of bread and you had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, what must we do to do the works that God requires? 
Now at this point, if I were Jesus, I'd kind of be like, don't you people listen to anything that I say? I just spent the whole day yesterday teaching you all these things. No one listens to me. So Jesus said, the work that God, the work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Again, to which I say, he just fed 20,000 people with a few loaves of bread. And like, what's it going to take? And oh, we can stand in judgment, but we do the same thing. <sighs> but what will you do, Jesus? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and you still don't believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me and whoever comes to me I will never drive away. For I have come down from heaven not to do my will, but to do the will of the one who sent me. And this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up into the last day, up at the last day. For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up that day. In this conversation that Jesus is having with this crowd of people, he's essentially challenging them to stop fixating on the temporal at the expense of the eternal. Now, now of course, living for the day is always a good thing, right? We want to live for the day, live for the moment, seize the day. The scriptures say this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. It's good to live for the day, but not at the expense of the eternal. But, oh, we are so fixated on the temporal. Last week uh, was the Super Bowl. And I had a little Super Bowl party at my house. My family was in town. And, you know, we watched it, had some food. And and if I could have had a cake, it would have been this cake. I wish I could have got a hold of this cake. Because that's kind of how I felt about the whole thing. But towards the end, towards the end of, of the game, it was a very close game if you watched it, the announcer said something that really caught my attention. So it's, it's so close. It's within a touchdown. Kansas City Chiefs are about to score, and the announcer says, right now, there are people everywhere on the edge of their seats praying. And I'm like, what? Like, as if God actually cares. Who went, like, he doesn't care. The bills weren't in it. He doesn't care at all. <laughs> as if God were too concerned answering Super Bowl prayers at the expense of things that actually matter, like kids starving or people dying of illness. Oh, we're so fixated on the temporal. The people that Jesus 
addressed in the crowd had this disorganized and chaotic view of who Jesus is. And I think sometimes we do too. Like if we think God cares about Super Bowl prayers, that's a chaotic, disorganized view, distorted view of who God actually is. In the crowd, they just kept going back and forth. First, they wanted to make Jesus king. Then they said he was a prophet. Then they called him a rabbi. Then they rejected all of his teachings. They're going back and forth, back and forth, fixated on the perishable things. Back to verse 26, Jesus, he says to them, I tell you, look, you were looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. I fed you. That's why you're following me and you want some more. I mean, we as human beings, we like things that we can, we can see, that we can touch. The crowds were following Jesus, not because they trusted him, but because he gave them an all-that-you-can-eat fish fry, and they wanted more. Jesus said, that food that I gave you, that will never fully satisfy, because you'll always want more. So where do we find our satisfaction? And are we, in fact, satisfied with our life at all? And what is that source of satisfaction or dissatisfaction? I mean, how much is actually enough? I have a question, a question that I've wrestled with for a long time, one I hope that you'll wrestle with as well. And the question is this, if salvation and an eternal relationship with God was all we ever got from him, would that be enough? Would it be enough? If he never answered any of our prayers from this day forward, never, never gave us what we want, would our eternal relationship with him be enough? And for so many, the answer is no. Because how often have we heard, well, God didn't answer my prayer my way, so I'm done. I'm done with God. He didn't answer my prayer. But isn't the cross enough? Isn't what he did for us Enough? The crowds certainly didn't think so. They asked him in verse 28, well, what must we do to do the works God requires? Something Jesus answered over and over and over. As if salvation were a reward to be achieved rather than a a gift to be received. Because that's what Jesus offers. Jesus offers a gift to be received, not a reward to be achieved. These people, they wanted precise definitions of legitimate God-honoring work that would provide them with the assurance of God's favor and eternal life. What must we do? It is the question we ask over and over and over, and Jesus keeps responding. All I ask is that you trust in me. Trust in me and come to me. In the Gospel of Matthew, of Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, Jesus says, Come to me, all of you. Come to me, you who are weary. Come to me. Come to me, you who are burdened. Come to me, and I will give you true rest for your soul. The prophet Joel and the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans both writes that anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Just come to me. Jesus in these passages is making a bold proclamation of who he is when he says, I am the bread that comes from heaven. Because Judaism believed that there was this like storehouse of manna in heaven. 
that had been opened to feed the people during the time of Moses, fed with bread from heaven, and that that treasury will be reopened at the coming of the Messiah. And Jesus says, I'm it. I'm the Messiah. I am here. Verse 41, after saying all this, the Jews began to grumble. Imagine that, human beings grumbling. The Jews began to grumble about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. They said, is this not Jesus, the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he say I came down from heaven? Stop grumbling among yourselves, Jesus answered. No one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws them and I will raise them up at the last day. It is written in the prophets, they will all be taught by God. Everyone who has heard the father and learned from him comes to me. No one has seen the father except the one who is from God. Only he has seen the father. Very truly, I tell you, the one who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness, yet they died. But here is bread that comes down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply among themselves. How can this man give us his flesh to eat? And Jesus said to them, very truly, I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the son of man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I in them. Just as the living Father has sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your ancestors ate manna and died, but whoever feeds on bread, this bread will live forever. And he said this while teaching in the synagogue at Capernaum. I am, Jesus says, God's provision and satisfaction for your soul. And the one who believes, the one who trusts, has eternal life. And yet often we reject the Savior that we need for the one that we want. One formed in our own image, in our own likeness. One that does what we want when we want it. Verse 60, on hearing this, many of the disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Where the disciples were grumbling about this, Jesus said to them, does this offend you? Then what is, what if you see the Son of Man ascending to where he was before? The Spirit gives life, the flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you, they are full of the Spirit and life. Yet there are some of you who do not believe, for Jesus had known from the beginning which of them did not believe and who would betray him. He went on to say, this is why I told you that no one can come to me unless the Father has enabled him. And from that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. The crowds that day wanted to put Jesus into their own religious categories to serve their own agenda. And when Jesus didn't serve their agenda, they got offended. 
Jesus says, does this offend you? Oh, we get so easily offended. And when we're offended, the only person that we hurt is ourself. Now, I suppose this would have been hard to hear from those first century listeners. I mean, Jesus is talking about eating flesh and drinking blood. It kind of sounds like cannibalism a little bit. It's kind of like, what is this kind of weird? But but Jesus is, Jesus is not talking about literally eating flesh. What Jesus is talking about is assimilating his way of life, his revelation, his wisdom into all of our being and nourishing our soul with him the same way that food nourishes the body. Oh, but it's so easy to reject the Savior that we need for the one that we want. We pursue those things in our world that are inadequate to fill the hunger at the depths of our soul. I am the bread of life. As we close, we again, we are in the season of, of Lent. Over the next 40 days, I want to offer a challenge and an invitation. On Thursdays, for the next 40 days, I'll be spending some time Fasting. One of the spiritual practices of Lent is fasting, of going without food in order to spend more time with Christ. And I, I want to invite you into that. If you've never fasted before, don't really know what that means, on our website, there's a, a page that looks like this. You can find it at northbrookchurch.org. And it will give you some you know, basic and simple instruction on what it means to fast. And we're doing this not just because we're going without food, but we're, we're choosing to give up physical food to, to feast on the bread of eternal life. Jesus says, I am the bread of life. So I invite you to join me over the next 40 days on Thursdays as we fast and prepare our hearts for Easter. I also think it's only appropriate today as we hear about Jesus being the bread of life that we celebrate communion. If you walked in today and you missed the communion table, our ushers are going to come down with baskets of communion uh, that you can take. Just raise your hand. They'll be sure and get those for you. John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. And whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. The Apostle Paul writes in his epistle, before we eat of the bread or drink of the cup, that we should examine ourselves, confess our sins before God. A God who is faithful and just to forgive us. So take a moment now, right where you're seated, and have that moment with God. that he was betrayed. Jesus took bread, he gave thanks to God for it, he broke it, and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. When you eat of it, do so in remembrance of me. Let's now eat the bread in remembrance of Christ.
after the supper, he took the cup. He said, this cup is the blood of the new covenant, which is shed for people for the forgiveness of sins. Whenever you eat this bread and whenever you drink this cup, you are announcing the Lord's death until he comes. Let's drink the cup, not together. So now I'm going to invite you to stand, and as our benediction today, I'm going to pray part of the prayer of St. Patrick. Christ with me. Christ before me. Christ behind me. Christ in me. Christ beneath me. Christ above me, Christ on my right, Christ on my left, Christ when I lie down, Christ when I sit down, Christ when I arise, Christ in the heart of every man who thinks of me, Christ in the mouth of everyone who speaks of me, Christ in every eye that sees me. In every ear that hears me. Amen. So go now in the grace and the peace of God.